Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. A standard legal conflict that uh, most people are probably aware of would, would be a suit that involves uh, an attempt to collect compensation for some form of injury that may have occurred. And, you know, that scenario is basic it is, may, may often be parodied or used as kind of a, a broad stroke in discussing lawsuits in general. But uh, there's there's many very valid cases involving personal injury that um, uh, are a little bit more complex and, and certainly worth uh, some of our time here on Chicago's Legal Latte. Um, we're going to talk today to an attorney from Lavelle Law. Uh, Joe Vito is going to be with us. We're going to talk a little bit about this process and, and uh, what's involved. So we're going to dive in. Joe, good afternoon. Thanks for taking the time today. Uh, thanks for uh, having me. Good to talk with you. So um, a lot of times on, on these discussions, I kind of like to set the, the framework for what we are or are not going to talk about. So when we look at personal injury as a term and, and what we're going to talk about, is this is this defined specifically as physical injury to a person or, and would claims for property damage be something different? Yes, what we're talking about now is actual personal injury. Uh, property damage is very similar in terms of the legal theories that apply as to whether or not someone could be liable for your injury. Um, but in terms of the damages involved and what you can recover for property damage, it's a little bit different. But for today's purposes, We'll be talking about personal physical injury. All right, so let's let's talk a little bit maybe about some of the instances that that might cause a lawsuit of this sort to be filed. What what sort of things um, would would normally fall under this category? Yeah, the overwhelming majority, uh, as you may expect, of personal injury cases stem from car accidents. Um, I would say somewhere to seventy to eighty percent of personal injury cases are car accidents. Um, and then you get into a range of a, a, a wide variety of other incidents, um, most of what are called premises liability cases, where you're injured on someone else's property for slipping and falling, um, or you know you run into an object that shouldn't have been there, uh, something like that, and get hurt. Uh, there's also um, kind of a category of animal bite, mainly dog bite cases. Mm-hmm. And then finally, something that we're not going to touch on because it's under a whole separate area is workers' compensation, um, where uh, you're injured uh, while at your place of employment. So these cases, and you just explained, they can they can run a, a pretty wide gamut. Um, when someone comes to you with a claim like this and they're interested in a, in pursuing it, what do you look for first in trying to determine if there's any real value in this type of suit? Well, there's two um, kind of factors that that every attorney looks at when they first get a a personal injury case in. And one is the liability factor, meaning is someone else responsible for this injury and can we get compensation from them? And then two, what what is the value of the injury itself, meaning, you know, what is the nature of your damages that you can recover in the case? So in a car accident case, the, the clearest example is, you know, if you were rear-ended, the other person is clearly at fault, and so you satisfy the liability case. If you broke your leg in that rear-end accident, obviously you have significant damages that can be um, 
that should be compensated by the culpable party. So we kind of look in that two-part uh, dichotomy framework when we try to evaluate these cases. And as you start to determine the potential monetary value, you raised a great example there of, of either having just a car accident and uh, and then breaking a leg. Would, would Would cases like this generally be designed to sort of make the person whole on any expenses they occurred, medical or otherwise, or can they then go beyond that amount and have some sort of, I don't know if the word would be punitive, but additional money on, on top of what may have been incurred? Yes, it wouldn't be punitive damages, but making making you whole isn't just compensation for your medical bills, which you can be compensated for in that rear-end accident example we gave. But on top of that, the law also allows you to recover for pain and suffering. It also re allows you to recover for loss of normal life. It also allows you to recover for lost wages and for any um, disfigurement and then any future or permanent injury that you may suffer. So there's a lot of different categories that, that you can um, kind of fall into and, and seek recovery for. Obviously, the ones that have hard numbers are the easiest ones to get either a judge or a jury or an insurance company to pay. If you had a $5,000 emergency room bill, it's very easy uh, to say, you know, if I wasn't rear-ended and didn't break my leg in that accident, I wouldn't have had this bill. Where it gets a little bit more complicated is the pain and suffering, the loss of normal life, meaning you couldn't do your daily activities normally, um, the uh, disfigurement if there is any, and things that become um, what are, are normally termed as, uh, as damages above and beyond your medical bills and special damages. Now, it's, it seems to me that, and it's probably a, um, too broad a characterization, but many, if not most people, carry some form of insurance um, for their home, for their car, uh, for, their, for their place of work, whatever it might be. If, if that insurance carrier, if you're the defendant and that insurance carrier covers those costs and, and covers uh, some amount of, of you know, pain and suffering, uh, other things that you described, does that sort of preclude a suit being filed? The insurance company says, look, you know, we'll take care of this. Is that generally enough or does it go beyond that? It all depends on what the insurance company is willing to offer. So if we go back to that rear-end accident example, um, say you were rear-ended and you broke your leg in the rear-ending accident and you had a $5,000 emergency room bill, um, the defendant in that case, the rear-ending uh, car, if they had insurance, you know, their insurance company may only offer you the $5,000. Um, and that may, to you, not be enough because, you know, you play basketball every day and you couldn't play basketball for three months. And to you, that loss of normal life was worth a lot more than just the $5,000. Or you're a young woman, uh, you know, and you got a nasty scar on your leg that causes you embarrassment in the summer. And it's worth more than just the $5,000. So it all depends on, on whether you're willing to accept what the insurance company is willing to offer. And 99 out of 100 times, they're, well, 100 out of 100 times, they're going to start low. And uh, mm -hmm. there's there's no, almost always room for negotiation to get it to to a number that's higher than that initial offer. And as you go through that process, obviously there's going to be some sort of investigation that goes back and forth. And, you know, there's always two sides to a story. And I, I would guess in some cases um, there's not one person that's 100% responsible. If through the process it's sort of discovered that, well, 
maybe the plaintiff did a little something wrong to kind of cause it in the first place, or there's some you know indication of of some fault on their side. Does that sort of kind of take the wind out of their sails in terms of what they might be able to get? Yes, legally, um, you can you whatever you're entitled to recover will be reduced by the percentage of negligence that uh, you are at fault for the accident. So again, to a rear end accident, if it is uncovered that you slammed on your brakes immediately because, you know, you were looking down, looking for your cell phone or something and accidentally put your foot on the brake and slammed it. Um, if you were more than half at fault for the accident, you are completely barred from recovery. If, however, you're uh, 50% or less uh, at fault for the accident, your total amount of recovery will be reduced by the amount of negli- by the percentage of the amount of negligence that um, you are personally responsible for. So in that rear-end accident, and there's no exact science to determine this, it's up to a judge or a jury mm-hmm. and for that the insurance company and you to kind of work out these numbers. But if you, you know, slam on your brakes because the car in front of you stopped quickly, but if you were paying attention a little bit more, you would have, you know, been able to give a more gradual stop and say you're only 25% of fault and the guy behind you is 75% of fault for not being able to stop in time, your uh, total amount recoverable will re- be reduced by that 25% of your own personal contributory negligence, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, well, it's, it's, what it's doing is it's, you know, causing me to jot down a whole bunch more questions here. Um, let me just reset for everyone. My guest is, is Joe Vito of Lavelle Law. Joe's uh, an experienced litigator, very familiar with our topic today, which is cases involving personal injury. Um, uh, Joe has served as co-chair of the Northwest Suburban Bar Association Committee on Civil Litigation. You can find out more about him and his practice and the litigation team by visiting LavelleLaw.com. So to go back to something you said there uh, in terms of um, who who would ultimately decide this. So would these cases be decided by a judge or a jury, or does it kind of depend on the circumstances going in? Uh, If you do uh, make it to litigation and you cannot settle the case, ultimately most of these cases are decided by a jury. It's up to the parties to... um, select whether or not they want a judge or jury. Most plaintiffs, when they file suit, will not select the jury um, because it costs money uh, to do. It's somewhere around $300 or so extra added to the case. Um, And there's just an overwhelming right or wrong feeling among plaintiff's attorneys that a judge um, is likely to give a higher award than a jury. That, That there's no empirical evidence to support that but that's kind of a general feeling. Conversely, a defendant in a case almost always files a jury demand um, because they feel the opposite. They feel the jury's a a, a lot more willing to let the plaintiff and the plaintiff's attorney go home with nothing if that's what what the facts uh, and the law warrant in the case. Whether or not that's true, of course, is up for, for debate. So normally these types of cases go to jury, but they can go to a judge if, if neither party picks uh, a jury, but almost always the defendant will pick a jury if it's in litigation. Now, and that presumes that there's no settlement reached. Do, do you find that the majority of cases are actually settled before they have to go to court? Um, yeah, the overwhelming majority of them are settled before they have to go to court. Um, but I will say, you know, people who who have more than just a, a real simple, um, you know, ER visit and stuff. Uh, it, they have to fight to get the insurance companies to pay them some of those 
uh, damages for pain and suffering and loss of normal life and things like that. Um, so it's not really something that's given away easily, and sometimes that's, well, almost always that's the reason that it ultimately goes to litigation if it can't be resolved. Do, does it? Does the plaintiff take a certain amount of risk then if they don't accept a, a settlement offer from the insurance company? Of course. Ultimately, if the case doesn't settle and it goes to a judge or a jury, there's always a chance that the jury or the judge can, can send the plaintiff home with nothing and, and mm-hmm. give a zero. In that case, whatever offer was on the table is no longer valid and uh, you know you risk recovering nothing at all. Um, obviously, if you're at that point, though, you're going to have a lot of conversation back and forth with your lawyer regarding the potential risks and potential rewards of your case and um, you know you got to have a long conversation with your attorney uh, whether or not it's worth the risk of trial to uh, to take it there and it sounds like even if someone were to say look I just you know I, I want to settle with the insurance company I want to get this over with uh, um, you know I just want something fair it doesn't sound like they'd be well equipped to try that on their own. You just mentioned, uh, you know, the negotiation and, and what an attorney can do. Um, highly recommend, uh, from your point of view, that that people don't try and do this uh, without good counsel. I, I do, especially the more complicated and the bigger your case gets, and the more that's at stake. Um, I, I think for most of these cases, um, you know, plaintiffs' attorneys, almost all of them, take a, a, a work on the same fee structure where they. They work on a contingency fee basis where they take a third of whatever they can get with you know no money paid by the client up front. And in almost all the cases, I think it's worth um, you know getting into that arrangement and, and sacrificing that third ultimately for what the lawyer can get uh, from his nego- his or her negotiation tactics and his or her experience. I think you'll find uh, almost always you'll get more. Uh, out of the settlement than what that one-third costs you just to pay the attorney's fees. So, I mean, and, and the insurance companies are very experienced. They know what they're doing. Um, they do it all day, every day. So, And they're not there to hand out money. Um, that's not how they stay viable and profitable. So uh, you're kind of going uphill, and it's good to have some competent counsel with you while you're doing that. Well, and uh, having uh, that type of counsel is uh, very valuable to us here on Chicago's Legal Latte, so I want to thank uh, Joe Vito of Laval Law for taking time today. We'll let him uh, go ahead and finish up his day, and uh, certainly always appreciate his time. Look forward to future discussions with Joe. Uh, We value your time as well, um, and we certainly look forward to having uh, you join us not only each week when we do the conversations, but we have a complete archive of all of our podcasts uh, at Blog Talk Radio on iTunes and at LavelleLaw.com. So find topics of interest, download those, listen to your convenience, and we look forward to talking with you again soon.